And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're on the road and we're presented by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Brandon Vogel with us from CounterRead, CounterRead.com. Check out his work, Aaron Sorensen's work. Great stuff on football, volleyball, all things Nebraska, man. Vogues, uh, it, is, uh, it is Purdue week. Creepier mascot, Little Red, or Purdue Pete? Um, it's a close call. I think, I think Purdue Pete, due to the... <clears throat> Due to the hard plastic involved, like it's weird to have a big hard <laughs> plastic head. It's also weird to have an entirely inflatable suit. Uh, sort of groundbreaking at the time, but I've 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 kind of felt like at this stage, you know, back in the '90s, Little Red was introduced as like a thing for for kids to to mm-hmm. appeal to younger fans, and that was fine. And I was not <clears throat> young at that point. I was in high school, so I was like, who cares about them kids? Um, Little red, little red is not cool, and I, I still don't think it's cool. Um, but I think at this point, it's old enough. Like, you should just kind of steer into its kind of creepy cult status a little bit more. And, and we've seen it. You know, Nebraska, I think, has a. Um, well, my colleague Aaron Sorensen posted a photo of this after, uh, during the the home opener. Uh, they'll put the big little red eyes up on the on the big screen when when teams are kicking are kicking uh, opposing teams are kicking field goals like. I'm, I'm here for it all. Let's let's just steer into the weirdness of Little Red. Well, okay, Brandon, follow-up question to the uh, the mascot question. Purdue Pete, is he the creepiest mascot in the country, or does that title belong to the Clemson Tiger with his drug-addicted eyes? <laughs> Clemson, the Clemson Tiger belongs up there, um, though I'm not even sure he's, like, the, the shadiest cat mascot. I might give that to Penn State. Oh, which is like yeah. which is like Penn State's whole thing, you know. It's like we don't put we don't put anything on our helmets except for a stripe. We don't have we don't have anything on our uniforms except for numbers. Um, it's 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 the whole shabby chic thing. Um, so I get it. It's it's on brand. But you just look at that that Penn State Nittany Lion, and it's like I've seen high schools with 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 mascots that look much more expensive than that. It looks like the uh, the the cat that Will Ferrell wore in old school. I mean, to be honest, Look, w- without the the fire, of course. It looks like a homemade Halloween costume. It's like whenever my mom was like, "We're saving money on Halloween costumes this year. We're not going down to the store. We're going to make them ourselves." The mini <laughs> line is what you get. Uh, y- yes, I I am a well. I mean, I love dogs, but uh, you know, based on ownership. I guess I would have to call myself a cat person, so I like cats. The Nippy <laughs> Lion looks like the kind of cat you don't want to see on the street. Uh, uh, Scott Kelly chimes in. Little Red does look kind of like a cult leader, doesn't he? <laughs> um, that's uh, I can't go where I really want to go with what I think of Little Red. I'll just the the moment Tom Green. Uh, had fun with Little Red uh, back in the late 90s in front of Danny Nee and the world was uh, was pretty funny. Uh, we'll just leave it there. And if you remember what I'm talking about, God love you. Um, moving on from, from Mascot Gate to uh, thoughts on Nebraska-Purdue. Folks, what, what, what are you thinking expectation-wise? Ledge and I kind of got into it. We also want to get your take on Keewan Lacey's decommitment. But all right, what, what's a good day for the Nebraska offense on Saturday? 
uh, to, to Real, use Matt Reels rules. Are turning. To, yeah, to use Matt Rules uh, basis for comparison, one more point than than Purdue has. I mean, it really <laughs> might might be that way. I mean, obviously, like the the giant wild card in this game is just who won't be there for Nebraska, like. Nobody, if Matt Rule came came and said we're going to give three starting offensive linemen and our leading receiver at the moment just a break, they they need a they need a rest day like this is the NBA. Everybody be losing their mind. Now Nebraska doesn't have that choice. That's just what it is. That's that's what they have to deal with. So it's it's tough to account for that. Nebraska is is a little bit. Well, I mean the offense is limited. They're averaging twenty points a game. They are committed to the run. They will hit big plays in the pass game, which don't always show up like in the the broad stats. You know, if you just look at Nebraska's passing numbers now, but when they hit those plays, they're important. I kind of compared them in the preview this week. They're they're a little bit option like um, in terms of like the magnitude of of the big plays they hit in the passing game and how it's set up by the run. They need to do both those things I think to to have enough offense to win this one Brittany you say to have enough offense to win this one what does that look like to you is that 10 points is that 14 points with the ugliness of the weather I think everyone is expecting a low scoring game and if it wasn't a home game I think a lot of people here in the capital city would be putting down some juice on the under what does enough offense <laughs> to win look like for you against Purdue because it feels like that number is is with the the performance of the defense is even getting lower and lower every single week. So I think last week I said 13 and it turns out didn't even need to get 13 points. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's illustrative I think. I think this game probably models something close to to 20 to 17. Um so I would say what does Nebraska need to feel comfortable? Probably 20. Um, we saw him win last week with 17. You start getting below that, and all of a sudden you're in kind of unique circumstances. Um, that said, um, if if you if you are thinking about playing the over simply because Nebraska's at home, I would advise against that. Um, wrote about this. Wrote about this for tomorrow um, on, on counterread.com, but. The under is hitting so far in 57% of, of Big Ten games, conference-only games. Scoring's down about 9% um, in terms of points per game for Big Ten teams. Like This is all stuff I think we kind of know and expected a little bit from just the, the changing clock rules, but it outstrips even what uh, college football has experienced as a whole. It's just a low-scoring year in the Big Ten, and in that way, like it might be kind of perfectly timed for how I think rule wants to play generally, but also how Nebraska has to play given the, the amount of injuries on offense. Brandon Vogel is with us from counter read counterread.com Nebraska Purdue on our mind uh, Vogue's let's flip it around. What, what worries you about the Purdue offense against the Nebraska defense? Or do you think the Nebraska defense can, get that vaunted takeaway can they get that pick six or scoop and score they're gonna have to yeah they i mean takeaways are always are always tough like purdue is is so hudson card ranks second in the big 10 at about 35 pass attempts per game um yeah which is which is kind of what you expect given where he came from uh at, at texas 
and, and kind of what Purdue has been, you know, really for, for the most of the, this century from, from Joe Tiller on, I guess, let's, let's put it that way. Um, <clears throat> Nebraska, ne- defensively, Nebraska won't be surprised by that approach. Teams are not running against this defense. I was, I was kind of shocked when I, when I looked at the numbers and, and pulled them together this week. You remove garbage time from, from the equation, which takes out a big chunk of the Michigan game and, and not a whole lot else, maybe some of the fourth quarter of the Colorado game. And uh, teams are only running at about 37.5% against, percent of the time against Nebraska. All of those opponents, minus Northwestern. Northwestern was a little bit of a curveball last week. Uh, and Rule talked about this at his at his press conference. Like, teams are just not trying to run uh, against Nebraska. They will they will throw the football. Uh, Northern Illinois might be the best example. They're they're a team that runs the ball about fifty one percent of the time. I think they're at about thirty seven uh, against Nebraska, which is a credit I think to to Tony White and that defense. They're like, eh, we don't want to mess with that. We'll just we'll just try it the other way. Purdue is a team that comes in that's already you know, that's the way it kind of wants to play anyway. So for, for Nebraska, they are used to defending 37 pass attempts per game uh, on average. Uh, that's, that's not the problem. It's, it's what happens on those pass attempts. And I don't think Purdue's only won two games, so it's small sample size, but I don't think Purdue has thrown an interception in either of its wins. The, the key number to me becomes the, the yards per attempt. And I kind of look at the number of, of six yards per attempt as, as pretty key. That's about where Purdue's at in losses, and it's about where Nebraska is at in wins. So if Nebraska can get there, um, they should have a pretty good shot. Their defense should be putting them in a spot to win unless you, you know, turn it over three times on offense. Brandon, something we talked about back in the first segment is this element of Purdue they really can't afford any more losses this year. With Michigan coming up next week, I think you chalked one up as a loss. You have Nebraska this week, following Michigan. You then have Minnesota, Northwestern, Indiana. You can't afford to lose those, and Nebraska might be the, the toughest test of those four based on how those teams are playing recently. And I want to get your t- thoughts on Purdue coming out of a bye week. Do you think offensively, despite the weather, they pull out all the stops to to get something against this Husker defense because the Husker defense, aside from Michigan, is probably the toughest defense they'll play for the remainder of the year. And to add to that, you got to get this one. So how weird, I guess, do you think Purdue gets with their offense to try to get something going? Um, I, I would expect them to get weirder defensively maybe than offensively. Okay. Um, and, and I think, I think, I think what you're, the idea you're on is, is another big wild card. To, to this game like we you know I mentioned earlier rule talked about how Northwestern came out and had some new stuff for Nebraska because it was coming off of bye week I expect Purdue to do that as as well um, they know what Nebraska doesn't have on the offensive line and Ryan Walters is a head first year head coach who used to be a really great defensive coordinator um, still a great defensive mind He's going to dial some things up. And, oh, by the way, like, Purdue's two outside linebackers are both top five in the Big Ten in sacks. So they're going to, they're going to have some, some special stuff for, for Nebraska. And I think, assuming Michigan doesn't get the death penalty before next week, uh, I'm sort of kidding, but um, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, <laughs> the, the urgency is there. I think Purdue is a team that is better than its two and five record at this point. 
not drastically so, but a little bit better. And I think the opening line reflected that. I was a bit surprised that Nebraska was only minus one on, on Sunday. It went up to two and a half, which I checked immediately on Monday after Rule announced all of those injuries. And, and it hasn't gone down to this point. Doesn't mean there'll be, be a, a late push for, for Purdue. Um, but I, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that, that Nebraska is given the edge that it has had. Brandon Vogel's with us. Vogue's, uh, hang on. We're going to do a little overtime with you. I want to get your reaction to Kiwan Lacey's decommitment. How you take that? Uh, I know Husker Nation's like, man, uh, a good one out of Texas is looking around. So more Brandon Vogel, more of us. We're here at 9th and P, the Single Barrel Roadshow Thursday here at The Graduate with Hale Varsity. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. We have coaxed Brandon Vogel into another smidge of this segment, this first hour. We're here at the Single Barrel Hale Varsity Roadshow. We're presented by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Brandon Vogel from Counter Reed, counterreed.com. We're back here Saturday noon to two ahead of Nebraska Purdue. Purdue stays here. So I don't know if we will get to see Purdue Pete in person and just get full uh, freak-out mode on or not. But if so, we'll make sure there's a picture taken, and we'll send it to, to, to Vogue's and all the folks, Dion and Walter and Brennan and everybody in the stream, we'll, we'll post that picture. Vogue's uh, not a good picture of your four-star running back that was in since June, Kiwan Lacey out of Lancaster, Texas. Uh, you and I both smile when we think of Texas running backs. Uh, he's uh, a guy that Bama's picked up on. Uh, Ole Miss has not stopped calling. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Florida is uh, probably leading the race right now. Uh, your reaction to what Nebraska, what the, the predicament Nebraska's in here with uh, such a high-level back decommitting? Yeah, it's it's tough because he it, it all signs indicate he's he's probably headed to the SEC. Though I find myself, I probably thought less about recruiting during this fall than in most falls that I can remember. And I think some of that is, you know, a, a first year coaching staff. I think some of that is the the slight momentum Nebraska currently has on the field itself. Uh, and, and some of that's also how rule talks about it. You know, I mean, I think the, the big one that's out there that, you know, people wring their hands over, of course, Carter Nelson took the, took the unofficial to Ted Notre Dame. And um, yeah, you think about that one and rules kind of like, you know, we want the guys that want to be here. And if, and if like, if that's not just coach speak and I have no reason to think that it is like, it kind of becomes how I how I personally have to define recruiting, and you're going to have some decommitments um, in in this current era. Like because Nebraska, I think is is trending a little bit upwards right now. Like I don't I don't think they're going to win out or anything and become the hottest commodity on the you know local recruiting market by December or anything. But they're trending slightly up um, because you can address some needs through the transfer portal. You know, maybe this is uh, foolhardy of me, but I kind of find myself shrugging a little bit at any decommitment just because you know they're going to happen. Um, and maybe I'm wrong on that. 
Brandon, we had a, a thought in from Cutter uh, whenever we were discussing this in our first segment, saying essentially with the transfer portal now, it makes all these decommitments less and less important because either this kid could come back in a couple of years or you could use you could go find somebody else in the transfer portal that you like that also has some college experience under their belt to boot is that fair i i think i think it's it is fair um and, and particularly with you know there are some programs out there who are really about like our solution to whatever our current situation is whether you're like mediocre and should be good if you're bad and hoping to get to mediocre or if you're good trying to get to great is like, well, we just got to recruit better. And that's important. Like talent matters. You know, there's, there's no way, no way around that. That said, this Nebraska's current staff is one where I don't think they're going to, you know, sacrifice. This is OOU, one of us to use one of their own acronyms um, just to get a guy who who's, you know, better than than any running back they've recruited over the past 10 years or whatever and you know not saying that's the case here but just as as an example like they're not going to chase talent just for talent's sake and that that might seem obvious but i think it's a key differentiation between two two different approaches Vogues, tell us what's happening with Counter Read when we, as we say goodbye, counterread.com. Let folks know how they can get involved. Yeah, you can uh, check us out at counterread.com. It's a, a new venture from myself and, and Aaron Sorensen, uh, twice weekly newsletter for, for paid subscribers. Paid subscribers get access to everything. Um, we end up doing about four, four newsletters a week. Free subscribers get a chance to check it out. Um, but if you want access to everything, uh, we would love to have you join as a, as a paid subscriber. And coming tomorrow, I kind of mentioned it a little bit in the, the earlier segment, uh, took a look at scoring in the Big Ten um, and where things are at with that. Um, and how, you know, got a little bit into how that might change next year with the addition of, of four Pac-12 teams, three of which, oh, by the way, are among the seven teams averaging 40 plus points a game so so that'll get interesting and then uh made my big 10 big 10 picks for the week for whatever that's worth it, it's hard picking against the spread and uh i'm not out here trying to tell you i know anything more than anybody else uh but i'll at least take up the fight each week love it vogues you take care we'll talk on saturday thanks for the time thanks guys have a good one